Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, October 28th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a busy hurricane season brings another threat to the Magnolia State. We'll check in with the National Weather Service for the latest on Zeta. Then, please continue to move your belongings to higher ground, evacuate if and when necessary, and to stay prepared. Then MEMA warns residents not to be complacent as what's expected to be a Category 2 hurricane comes ashore in Mississippi this evening. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the Secretary of State provides an update ahead of Election Day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hurricane Zeta is moving swiftly northeast, approaching the southeastern Louisiana coastline and is expected to bring hurricane force winds, heavy rain and the potential of spinoff tornadoes to the region. We're now joined by Lauren Nash of the National Weather Service in New Orleans for the latest on the 27th named storm of the season. Good morning. So thank you so much for being with us. I'm sure it's very busy there. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much. Give us the latest. I I know that um, the weather forecasters have said this may become a Category 2 hurricane before it comes ashore. Yeah, so like you said, it's in the open gulf right now, and it's currently a 90-mile-per-hour Category 1. It is expected to strengthen into a Category 2 hurricane before landfall this afternoon. Um, there's a good chance it does make landfall as a Category 2 hurricane or a very high-end Category 1, and then we'll move northeast across uh, metro New Orleans and up into southern Mississippi before it stretches out through Alabama and the rest of the eastern states. Louisiana has had a big bullseye on it all summer long with these uh, these hurricanes. However, a lot of the most damaging have been from slow-moving storms that have sat on top of land. That's not the case with Hurricane Zeta? 
Correct. Not, you know, that is one of the blessings of this storm is it's going to be moving pretty quickly. So heavy rain and really um, impactful flooding isn't going to be one of our highest concerns. You know, there's still a chance of a few tornadoes, but with it moving so quickly, you're not going to see a bunch of tornadoes in the same spot. And, you know, like you said, because of that wind speed, we may not get 8 to 12 hours of hurricane force winds. We may only get like 4 to 6 hours. And while that's still going to cause plenty of damage, you know, if we can find something positive out of that, that's one of the things we can. Are the worst conditions, or do they usually come before the hurricane makes landfall? Well, we can get some impacts before landfall, definitely. We're already starting to see some rain bands getting close to shore. The tropical storm force winds extend well out from the center, over 100 miles. So we'll be able to see those hours before landfall. The hurricane force winds themselves, they're going to be very concentrated around the eye. Um, But otherwise, outside of that, you could still see sustained winds of 40 to 70 miles an hour for much longer than that four to six hours, plus possibly 10 to 12 hours. And then that's much smaller area of the very intense winds when the eye comes through. The forecast for all of Mississippi today calls for rain and thunderstorms. Is that all due to Zeta? It is, yeah, um, and it's just it's such a big storm as it comes up. Um, we'll see rain and thunderstorms wrapped all the way around it, including for the, you know for most of the state of Mississippi. And southeast Mississippi, I understand, is particularly vulnerable to some bad conditions. What about southwest Mississippi? Yeah, like um, like you said, the coastal Mississippi down there, that's where we're going to see the highest surge. Um, we're going to get some high winds, possible tornadoes. When it comes to southwest Mississippi, much less impacts because the storm's actually making that northeast turn over the southeastern part of Mississippi. Maybe some breezy winds, maybe some rain, but nothing too impactful. Now, this is the 27th named storm for the year, which is pretty incredible. And the only other hurricane season which has the same was 2005, which, of course, included Hurricane Katrina. What are the similarities other than each having the same number of storms, named storms? Um, you know, not, that's honestly the biggest similarity. Um, for one, we've had actual less actual hurricanes this year. Um, we've had a lot of tropical storms, and we've had um, we just haven't had many major hurricanes either. But that's really kind of the biggest um, what would you say, you know, comparison, because we've also had a lot more landfalls this year than 2005 had. Like, you know, it only takes one storm to remember a season, and Katrina was that one storm. We've had, you know, I, I'm not going to quote this, but we've had probably nine or ten U.S. landfalls this year, um, which is very abnormal for a normal year. It's interesting that there hasn't been anything, or at least that I can think of, up the eastern seaboard. Why is the Gulf of Mexico so vulnerable? Is there a reason for that specifically? Not a huge reason. It really kind of depends on where this really large high pressure sets up. Um, In this season, we've really had that ridge kind of set up across eastern Gulf, you know, across Florida, across the Atlantic. So instead of those storms being able to turn up the east coast, like let's say Dorian did last year, they're able to kind of slide under that ridge, that high pressure area, and then slide up into the Gulf. So it's just a difference of like the overall weather pattern that we're seeing right now. Hurricane season doesn't end until November 30th. Are there any long-range forecasts that show an active November coming up? Well, you know, uh, we only look out about seven to ten days, and even then, you know, we've seen things in the hur- the models that they'll show something one run, they won't show something the next run. This whole season is, you know, expected to be active. Once you get farther into the season, farther into November, we start to see some shear increase. We start to see the waters cool down. Um, so 
hopefully if we do see something in those months, it won't be a really massive impact in the United States. Historically, do you know what the latest a hurricane, I mean, have there been December hurricanes? Um, you know, I really don't know. I know we've had like a subtropical storm in January. Um, I'm not entirely positive about December. Well, January um, <laughs> January is late enough. It's just yeah. Well, it looks like there was one. Um, I just did a quick search. There was actually one in 1954 um, that developed in December. So um, you could say it's very, very, very rare for that to happen. Well, we won't. Ha- uh, we hope that if there are any more, they don't come near Louisiana because you guys have suffered way too much. <laughs> I, I hope they don't come anywhere near the coast, but I can agree with that. Lauren Nash is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in New Orleans. Thank you so much, Lauren. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. Coming up. MEMA warns residents not to be complacent as Mississippi braces for that severe weather event. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Floods in February, Easter tornadoes, the coronavirus pandemic, it has been a year of emergency declarations in Mississippi. The Mississippi Emergency Management Agency already has nine active emergencies and approaching Hurricane Zeta could make for a tenth. Mallory White, MEMA's Director of External Affairs, tells our Michael Guidry, despite close calls this season, residents shouldn't fall victim to hurricane fatigue. So right now we have nine shelters on standby, uh, mostly in the lower portion, of course, of the state. Um, We've delivered more than 60,000 sandbags to our coastal counties um, so they can be prepared. And they are also um, doing sandbagging locations down there. We have that information on our website if anyone needs any sandbags in the lower six counties. Those are available. And um, really, we're just monitoring. That's our big thing. Um, Whenever this happens, um, have that disaster preparedness kit ready to go. We've had a lot of close calls so far this hurricane season without any real direct hits. What does MEMA want to tell Mississippians who you know, have, have seen storm come and storm go without really any effects and kind of feel like maybe this one isn't something they need to worry about? Yeah. So we at MEMA, we understand the hurricane fatigue because we have to activate just like everyone else has to get ready to evacuate. So we understand that. We are just asking folks um, in the lower portion of the state, please do not become complacent. Please continue to move your belongings to higher ground, evacuate if and when necessary, and to stay prepared. Keep that preparedness kit ready to go at all times and be prepared for prolonged power outages, be prepared for possible flooding and the storm surge and the wind gusts. We understand that this has been a long year. 2020 has been a long year for everyone. And we are just asking everyone to hang in there with us. November is almost here. November 30th is the end of hurricane season. However, though, that doesn't always mean that hurricanes end November 30th. 
the consensus forecast is making landfall as you know around a category one hurricane very similar to what we saw with with delta a few weeks ago even though the projected track is a little more east um what lessons have we learned from dealing with a hurricane like delta just weeks ago as far as what the impact in mississippi could be so people didn't think that delta was going to be that much uh, of an issue and as far as damage it didn't cause as much damage as we expected which is a great thing however it did cause prolonged power outages um the saturday after delta hit we had a hundred thousand residents without power and it took some of them seven to ten days to get power back on so we are urging people to be prepared for prolonged power outages from this storm. It is something that can obviously happen. And because it's so fast moving, we also want people to be prepared of possible spinoff tornadoes. And so we just want people to be prepared that even though it may be a low-end Category 1 storm that makes landfall, uh, that doesn't mean that we're still in the clear from any type of damage. Mallory White, Director of External Affairs for MEMA. We really appreciate you helping Mississippians stay prepared during this very busy hurricane season. Thank you very much. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the Secretary of State provides an update ahead of Election Day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Right now, mpbonline.org is your resource to stay up to date on the news about COVID-19. The coronavirus is a worldwide pandemic, and MPB is here to let you know how that affects Mississippi mpbonline.org has an entire section dedicated to the coronavirus with links and updates from the Center for Disease Control and the Mississippi Department of Health. Visit our website right now, mpbonline.org, to find out what you need to know. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. break out in this rash like all over. I am a diabetic. It's really bad when it comes. It comes all over my scalp, everything. Particularly if it's seasonal like that, a lot of people will have seasonal allergies and it doesn't have to be the sneezing type of allergy. So you can have an eczematous uh, reaction like that on your skin. It's no rhyme or reason sometimes, but if you do some you know, due diligence and detective work, sometimes you can find out what that is and avoid it. I would take antihistamines to help prevent this during this time period that you know that you're more likely to, uh, to break out with it. Certainly, trying to avoid oral steroids is probably better, particularly since you have diabetes. Uh, and if you haven't seen a dermatologist for this, that's a person I would I would go to also. A lot of people have uh, treated this um, also with uh, with Singulair. That's an asthma medication, but it's also been used particularly for allergic rhinitis. Uh, some people think it might work with uh, skin type reactions to that. I haven't really found that it it helps out with the. Uh, the skin uh, allergies, but uh, it's, it's worth a try. But I think a dermatologist is probably your next best bet on seeing somebody. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. 
Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The 2020 general election is less than a week away, and officials in Mississippi are expecting a record voter turnout at the polls on Tuesday. During a press briefing yesterday, Secretary of State Michael Watson announced absentee voting has surged this election cycle, already surpassing 2016 numbers. The last numbers that we have seen, we've had over 190,000 absentee ballots requested. An incredible number. Uh, When you look back at 2016, uh, compared to 110,000 then, we've already had over 80,000 more requested, and we've got several days to go. As you know, on uh, Saturday, October 31st, from 8 to 5 p.m., our clerk's offices will be open. That will be the last day for absentee voting in person. And we have stressed that again. I think the education component is key, making sure Mississippians understand when they can vote, where they can vote, and how they can vote. And we focused on that. So Saturday is going to be the deadline for absentee voting in person. Again, your clerk's offices will be open from 8 to 5 p.m. Having said that, 190,000 now. Now We expect that number to continue to creep up uh, through Saturday. So it's going to be a big number. And uh, I'm excited about that. I think it's important that Mississippians are turning out, uh, be it, you know, obviously what is driving that number. Is it, is it COVID? Is it uh, the excitement in the elections uh, kind of realm? Mississippians wanting to have their voices heard. I think it's a combination of things, uh, but again, we've prepared and we've made sure the Mississippians' voices will be heard. And uh, we also talk about this, over 113,000 new registered voters from, from January till now for this year. That is such a success for our office. Uh, we hear often uh, voter suppression is just thrown around, and unfortunately, uh, that gets many headlines. But when you look at Mississippi and what we're doing here, over 113,000 new voters, over 190,000 absentee ballots requested, Mississippians are finding it easier to vote. The Secretary of State's office has been the subject of a number of lawsuits to expand absentee voting during the coronavirus pandemic. The legislature allowed for some provisions with those diagnosed with COVID or under physician-directed quarantine. Last week, the office did agree to one additional measure to ensure the integrity of absentee ballots, the cure process. And the cure process is one that, obviously, if there's a signature mismatch on your application and or your um, ballot uh, envelope when you turn back in your absentee ballot. Uh, the, the resolution board, uh, the elections commissioners, the folks that take looks at, at different pieces of that uh, can disqualify the ballot because the signatures do not match. Now we have a cure provision for that. Uh, there's not been a big number in Mississippi of, of voters that have been thrown out because of that, but even one that should not have been thrown out is too many for us. So we wanted to make sure we address that process and the cure process. Uh, is in place now. And and again, talking to our clerks and our our elections commissioners, making sure they understand the new rules and the process of that very important education component of our office. Watson also addressed the threats of foreign-influenced misinformation. He wants voters to know where to go to seek reliable info and assures Mississippians their votes won't be compromised. We've seen a lot of information on Facebook and on social media 
We saw one uh, just last week about Initiative 65 and, and how you could or could not cast a vote. Uh, so we've been uh, very purposeful in, in making sure we're monitoring those comments that are out there. And one of the focuses has been trusted information. Just because you see it on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. Uh, so we've encouraged people to call our office, to call their circuit clerk's offices, their elections commissioner's offices. And then when we see information that may not match up to the rules coming out of an uh, elections commissioner's office or a clerk's office, we've been quick to call them and say, listen, here's, here's the, the truth, here's how this works. Make sure you're explaining it correctly and properly to your voters. Uh, so we've been on top of that. And again, trusted information is the key piece. You saw the information that came out last week with Russia and Iran and China. Uh, we have partnered with the FBI, with DHS, with CISA, with the National Guard uh, to conduct pen testing on our machines and our systems, uh, uh, more specifically to SIMS, the Statewide Election Management System. None of our machines are online, so we want to make sure that our voters and our listeners and our watchers know that. Uh, when you go vote, that machine is not online, so it cannot be hacked. So make sure that you uh, have a safety uh, feature put in there. Uh, none of that information touches the Internet until it is tabulated at the local level and it is transmitted to SIMS at the state level. Uh, so we feel protected. We feel like everyone's information will be kept safe, and, and I look forward to a good, clean, safe election. During this pandemic-riddled voting season, there is one thing all Mississippi voters will be required to have when they show up to the polls, a voter ID. Despite mask mandates in place in 16 counties that require masks indoors while in public, both Governor Tate Reeves and Secretary Watson claim the requirement of a mask to vote restricts the electorate's constitutional right. So voters themselves, um, we've been very clear on this from the get-go cannot be forced to wear a mask to vote. It is a constitutional right to vote, and and, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as what I believe the Constitution would say, you cannot force anyone to wear a mask to vote. You can't deny them that right to vote just because they don't have a mask on. So we've talked to, again, our clerks and our commissioners to make sure that they understood, uh, here are the rules, and this is how we're going to play by the rules on election day. So when you talk to your poll managers, when you do the training, make sure that they are clear on this. Uh, and again, we've got uh, an update that we're going to do. The, ele- the elections education component is so important to us. Uh, we're doing an update for all of our uh, poll managers uh, to make sure it will be posted on our website uh, so they can go the night before the election, take a look, make sure these are some reminders for you to understand this is what's important. Uh, so again, masks cannot be forced uh, on a voter for them to vote. But clear line of distinction here, poll managers must wear masks, and that is very important for us. While elections are conducted and executed at the local level, the Secretary of State's office oversees election procedures, including the certification of ballot initiatives. Yesterday, Mayor Mary Hawkins Butler of Madison filed an emergency petition with the Mississippi Supreme Court claiming the certification of Initiative 65 was unconstitutional. Mayor Hawkins Butler shares her position with our Michael Guidry. We ran across um, what we feel is a flaw. And that is in the process of putting the initiative in place when it speaks about um, five congressional districts and no more than one-fifth of those of the voters, of the petitioners, can come from each of the five districts. We don't have five districts. We don't have five congressional districts. We have four. And we're looking back, what, that was 16 years ago or so? So the formula doesn't work. And there's a problem. The 
the Constitution should have been amended to allow this to happen. So that's where we are. Uh, in regards to that, there is an AG opinion that was submitted upon the request of then-Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, uh, I believe in 2008 or 2009, uh, specifically ab- about this. And the AG's opinion would be that it would be based on the the, the five old uh, congressional districts since the Constitution had not been updated to reflect um, the, the, the change in the census. So, I mean, this has been addressed by the Attorney General. There's an opinion on it. AG's opinions are exactly that, an opinion. That's why we petitioned to go to the Supreme Court, and that's why we're there. It is a flaw in our Constitution. It's a, it's a flaw in the, uh, the process, and it needs to be addressed. What are you expecting to happen? I mean, the, the Secretary of State has until 5 o'clock to respond. We, again, we are just days away from an election. What are, you, what are your expectations? We'll wait and see. Mary Hawkins Butler, Mayor of the City of Madison, uh, we thank you for your time. Thank you. Secretary of State Watson responded to the petition yesterday. I understand that question. Uh, I understand it's a constitutional provision. Uh, and again, I think that's one that the court is, is going to have to have a say in. Uh, so uh, they, they filed the complaint. It's at the Supreme Court, and we'll, we'll see what happens. There is precedent for the certification of initiatives under the Attorney General's opinion, including Initiative 27 in 2011, the Voter ID Law. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.